0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spook. The Scary Story Improvised Podcast. I'm Damian Depp. And I'm Cody Crane. Oh, what the heck? Oh, it's you- like a time warp happened. What's I- it been, a month? I know it's practically been th- it's been three episodes of you being away. I know. Well, I was only technically gone for two. I, I, and, I, and I really took advantage of it by piling yeah, up you episodes. You're like, you. oh, I'm going to get all these cool guests that you'd probably really like to hang out with. And you're like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. Yeah. Well, it it was a lot of fun uh, without you. And honestly, um, I'm uh, feeling a little okay. bit. uh Wow, you know, but how was uh, how was uh, the UK? Well, anyways? I'm going to say, are you saying we got to break up and do separate podcasts? So you'll be SPO and I'll be OKE. Oh, yeah. And we, then we'll have the D every other. We can be like, like that Kiss weekend. album. <laughs> or when what? they when Kiss broke up, they all did separate solo albums. Oh, no. To uh know that they needed to be with no each other? what we what I don't we got to there. do is we got to do like the outcast thing where we do speaker box and the love below that's what we have to do oh and they pair together mm-hmm. yeah no oh, well, that's I mean, how we have to do it there's so many different options with yeah. uh, music history <laughs> no but the uk was lovely uh i had a, a tea and crumpet well i mean isn't the uk like the most uh that's where you hear about all the haunted things right like everyone i would... mean there was a lot of old stuff was That's it... what you mean. Yeah. Did you see any? Old no ghosts. Stuff? I saw a lot of ghosts? old shit, but uh-huh. no ghosts. No. No, not one. Not one. You think you would? Because like everything is old. Yeah. In the museums, you didn't see. No. Did you I see anyone like... that looked like they might have been a ghost? Yeah. A few. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was just the uh, the the UK pallor. You know what I mean? <laughs> Actually, it was very sunny most of the time that I was there. So I I don't know. I don't believe that it rains all the time. Not by my experience. Oh, wow. We've been lied to. You're a uh, big, uh, I don't know, Cadbury. You're just the the worst right now. It's like when Thank people you. used to like <laughs> when I used to live in Vancouver and they'd be like, oh, it never rains here. I went in July and it was so bright and sunny <laughs> and it just pissed me off. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you got personally offended. Well, because I'm the one dealing with the bad weather oh, the rest okay. of the year. Right, 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 right. Well, that's fair. Uh, But it's not all about you and your jolly old experience, Damien. Yeah. It's about our guest today because we have a great guest here. We have author with his new book, The Marigold, out now, Andrew F. Sullivan here.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Um, uh, It's going to be fun. I uh, appreciate all the terrible, horrible, haunted things you're going to do to me, Um, but... (laughs) Uh yeah, I think when you're talking about being over in the UK, yeah, the more history you have, the more haunting you have. So I
0: I do have to clear something up though about my trip. Uh I I actually lied a moment ago. I never did have a crumpet.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well good. I I had a skull
0: i had a scone though. okay Andrew, did you see how much that was weighing on him like this yeah hard? no
1: this is a man who would fold under questioning yeah yeah, yeah. don't no, do that's... any heists with damien like no heists no like long cons
0: did you hear about the gold heist that just happened at toronto pearson uh like two days ago oh they yeah was man, like... i
1: was i was doing my inner ray Liotta for sure it was a...
0: <laughs> there was like 20 million dollars worth of gold stolen from the airport? At the airport, yeah. It was in someone's luggage? I have no idea, but there was just $20 million gold heist that just happened. Wow, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a That's bunch
1: a- of guys who really loved Goodfellas. They were like, let's try to remake it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: sounds like a bunch of bad fellas to me, if you ask me. Perfect. Taking that gold, <laughs> Andrew, uh, let's talk about your, uh, your new book here, uh, yes. The Marigold. Uh, so uh, for the listeners... Uh, like a brief uh, kind of... A... How would you describe The Marigold? Yeah. Uh, the Marigold
1: is sort of like the story of a city kind of decaying, falling apart, and being sort of eaten alive from the inside by a mold called the wet that fills mm-hmm. spaces. And it sort of spread out a bunch of bunch of characters. So a lot of different people in the city of Toronto trying to cope with it. It's sort of my take on like, you know, an update of like David Cronenberg or JG Ballard taking on the city of Toronto. And it's all these different characters trying to figure out what this mold, the wet is and what it's doing. And they're all kind of each on a quest to figure that out. Hmm. And they each, uh, it does not go well. This is not, (laughs) they are not, you know, uh, this is not a heroic narrative. This is a story sort of about confronting almost like a cosmic horror but it's in the ground yeah you know like it's beyond our comprehension and it's something that we struggle to incorporate
0: uh yeah it's, it's so interesting too because i i definitely when reading it was uh picking up on that cronenberg vibe and i, and I was prepared to ask about that too because um i mean cronenberg's known for like the body horror uh kind of uh, deal as well right and i uh, definitely got that i i think that um uh it's horrific enough just reading something and uh, reading the wet um and then when you uh, hear that it's eating people's body that's a whole like <laughs> other uh horrific thing but the wet was just enough for me to be like oh yeah this i don't like that <laughs>
1: Yeah, there is something about the word, right? Like, yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's like when people, you know, like the sort of early millennial thing of hating the word moist. Yeah. Uh, but I think there is something like the wet. You're just like, I don't want that. I, I am yeah. uncomfortable <laughs> with that. And the idea I think like the wet to me comes from like anyone who has ever lived in a basement apartment in Toronto. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm has experienced like that sort of just that yeah. smell, Perpetual that damp. moistness. <laughs> and so what if that, you know, tried to take on the personalities of the people in the city and tried to like coalesce. Um, and because, you know, molds are the fungus, there's also that cool aspect that funguses are kind or fungi are kind of in between animal and vegetable. They're neither. Mm-hmm. Like a mushroom yeah. is not a vegetable. Right. And we don't fully understand how they work. They are kind of alien to us, yeah, and so that's kind of where that comes from. I mean, I'm lucky that I guess they decide to make a Last of Us TV show and people <laughs> are like,
0: "Oh yeah it was, yeah, <laughs> it's it definitely has parallels to <laughs> to that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. what I've been finding interesting uh, reading through this, uh, especially early on, I, I'm about I'm about hundred pages in right now. I haven't had a chance to finish the book yet yeah. um, but just um, the thing that's really striking me is it's it's extremely relevant to like, the last five years that we've kind of had with dealing with something large scale and everything like that. And what I find quite um, what I really like about it is just the exhaustion that everybody has with this kind of stuff where everyone kind of feels like to a certain point there's, they've almost given up and everything and nobody cares anymore. And that's kind of just making everything worse. And I feel like we're in in a lot of ways, we're kind of at that point right now with some things where nothing is really progressing anymore. And everyone's just like, it's fine. We're just going to live in the shit. And this is what life is now.
1: (laughs) Honestly, Damien, like you're nailing it. Yeah. Like my editor, when I first Mm -hmm. submitted this manuscript, because people are like, oh, it's dystopic and dystopia. And like, those are marketing words. But what she said was, this is urban fatigue. Mm -hmm. This is fatigue. This is how things work. And you're right. Like with the pandemic, other things we've seen, it's like, Shit gets worse, but we still have to keep going to our jobs. We still have to pay rent. We still have to survive in the city, even as, like, we're getting ground down with inflation, Mm -hmm. with, you know, cutbacks for the TTC or our infrastructure. We're seeing it decline in real time. But we still have to go, you know, to work, to pay our bills, to pay our rent. That squeeze never stops. And so you're right. Like, that's kind of relentless nature I think that really does. That's a part of horror that's not always examined. That just that dread, yeah, of like going on living. If the monster's there every day, eventually you just have to dodge it and get to work. You know, you can't. You got to drive around the sinkhole rather yeah. than call somebody because you know no one's coming to fix it.
0: Well, that's the thing too. It like it, it trying to figure out where almost like in the timeline from now it sort of is and it doesn't feel that far off and some of the stuff i'm like i'm like was that a real thing that happened that feels like that's something that's going like especially the um the flooded uh, ttc car the shit car whatever i'm like that that happened right that was real right
1: basically like i think like the only thing that's different with that is that it's fully automated in this like near future and that was just to get rid of some jobs and you know (laughs) make things worse
0: the new streetcars kind of feel that way the drivers are so separated from everything it almost like you never see them anyway
1: yeah no no i mean a lot of this i did want it to be close enough that it felt like it could be now Mm -hmm. and then it takes like two years you know from when you sell it to do the editing get it all ready and i think that process is good like i think sometimes people writers are like oh it takes forever but I mean, once the book is out there, it's out there. You can't take it back. So you have to yeah. know what you want to put out. But since I wrote it, so many things have happened that I've been like, oh, shit. All right. This, <laughs> this is getting less and less speculative. You know, it's getting.
0: <laughs> but, I, but I think that that lends itself to the book. I feel like that it just makes it a little more um, pertinent to what's the reality is right now in the city. How how important was it for you uh, making it Toronto, the landscape, Mm -hmm. you know, like having Um, that as the setting?
1: Super important. Super important. Um, I really did want to, I wanted to ground it, but also without being like, and then they went to Tim Hortons at the corner of college. And like,
0: I hate that shit.
1: I don't like, (laughs) then they were at a Leafs game and Drake came and played a show. No, I don't want that shit. But (laughs) what I do want is to know that like my reader knows I know my place. And so I'm, you know, reflecting it in smaller details or certain vibes or the way I see the city, but it's grounded in a place Mm -hmm. that I know and I can reflect that. And then when I have a toxic mold that starts, you know, consuming people, the reader is willing to go there with me because I've already proven like, like, I think you need to ground people before you introduce the speculative stuff. Yeah, And I mean, Toronto is a really compelling city. It's a place that, you know, is always changing, doesn't really have a great sense of its own history, always wants to be something bigger and better than it is. And, you know, I've lived in Toronto for over a decade and in GTA most of my life. So living in those different places too, like I lived at Bathurst and Finch, I lived in Cabbage Town, I lived out in Bloor West Village. You know, I've been, you know, friends in, yeah, I don't know, Morningside and Lawrence, like all over the place, really experiencing Mm -hmm. the city on a wider scale rather than just, oh, downtown, you know, just like Yonge yeah. Street. Yeah. I think the Marigold itself, the tower is there, but bringing that sort of feel for the city was really important. So, yeah, it was mm-hmm. a big part of the book. And I wouldn't have wanted to like uh dodge that. I felt comfortable enough where I am in my career to kind of be like, okay, it is Toronto, but we'll put it a bit in the future. So, if anyone gets mad. We'll- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's enough difference that, you know, and it's it's vague enough on where some of the areas are that you're kind of like, oh, I, I have an idea where this could be or I, I'm familiar with the style of neighborhood that it's it's depicting. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, So uh, to go further into um the kind of like inspirations of uh, your writing and everything like that. I want to just talk about uh, how you got started into writing. When was it for you that you really wanted to um, become a writer? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, to be honest, guys, probably I went and saw Jurassic Park. And then (laughs) I came back to school. And I started writing basically probably Jurassic Park fan fiction, I guess. Yeah. I would just find new ways to kill off my friends and then they'd want me to (laughs) read it at recess and be like, Oh man, Lorenzo got torn apart by Dinah And they're like, sick, nice. What happened to Josh? (laughs) And so, you know, I started probably that way and then very much moved into, um, you know, kind of building my own worlds. And I think it was something I was really into at a young age um, as a lot of us are too, like, but it's a kind of a, a form of play and imagination and that was the root of it but it was always kind of rooted in a a bloody version of itself um and then that kind of evolved i got into more serious writers in high school and early university i was reading a lot because i was often working you know manual labor jobs and then there'd be a machine would break and you're sitting there for 20 minutes and this was (laughs) i'm old this was before smartphones so i would always (laughs) have a book with me because i'd be like you know yeah. And sometimes, you know, guys, I mean, I grew up in Oshawa, guys would be like, what are you doing reading? And I'd be like, look, man, if you don't know how I'll teach you like, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but I got a lot of reading done that way. And it really kind of was always part of my life. And I think that's where a lot of writing comes from. If you're reading a lot, mm-hmm. if you're exploring different writers, you kind of start to see all these styles and ways of telling a story and you get, yeah, you get sort of dragged into it. So that's kind of where it came from. Yeah.
0: It's interesting that it kind of like started with uh, film, though, as well. And you kind of see it within your uh, work here and like mm-hmm. the the world building like you were talking about and really just like setting that uh, scene and understanding visually what's going on around you um, to, in uh, such a strong way. Um well it's even got a lot of like I mean I'm i I'm a big Stephen King fan and and it has a lot of that same kind of setup to something like like it or or even the stand, you know, that totally. that that kind of
1: totally. Yeah, that's a great yeah. You guys and... are picking up on all kinds of stuff here. This is awesome. Um yeah, like definitely the stand, it, like especially mm-hmm. with the Marigold, which you know, for some readers they are like, Why are there so many characters? Ah, like it. Get... But I mean, that's the <laughs> point of this book yeah. is it's about a larger evil that yeah. affects all these people.
0: This is not overwhelming by any stretch. I, th- yeah. I remember the first time I read it. I remember because the first book is so fucking confusing and it's so long. And I remember getting a book too. And I'm like, I don't know who half these people are anymore. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah, no, this I, I can keep track of everybody. This is good. like, okay, I know who this is. We're coming back often enough. It's different enough that I'm not confused. <laughs>
1: good. Yeah. I don't think it is. And like most of like, you know, most of the critical reviews have been great and they get it. But, you know, there are people out there and they're just immediately like, oh, where's the hero? Oh, there isn't one. I don't want to read this. Like, um, but yeah, that kind of those building blocks. I think something Stephen King's really good at in those books mm-hmm. is he introduces somebody really quickly, but he gives you like a textured feel for their life with just a couple anecdotes. And you're like, yeah. oh, I think I know this person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he moves on to the next thing. But you kind of. He's very good at quickly sketching people, yeah, that feel believable, and so that definitely came from there and then the film part, yeah, I mean, I think this in this day and age, like if you're not if you're watching a lot of film, like it's going to influence your work,
0: yeah it's, it's gonna almost... be yeah. It's almost impossible not to, I I think, nowadays, unless you just don't watch film and TV. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I think, like, for me,
1: it's definitely... It's probably, like, 60%, 70% writing, and then the film is there. I think the way... And I think it's reflected in the style. Mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, cut between characters talking, things happening, whatever else, and the reader's able to follow, but I think the reader's able to follow because that is kind of more of a filmic language, right? It's like, oh, these people are talking... It's not voiceover, but a thing is happening while they're talking that may be really bad for them uh, that they're not aware of. And so those kind of techniques are definitely in there and they're a big influence. And, you know, and also sort of that like Scorsese vibe of just like, hey, I'm going to throw all this shit at you and you're going to have to (laughs) digest it as it's happening.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Even some of the banter, like I feel like between like uh, Kathy and Jasmine, right? Uh, That felt that felt very... um... It felt very like, uh, I don't like filmic. It was, it was a very like natural dialogue flow and it felt like kind of that, that sort of banter. So it's, it's cool to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have uh, the kind of interest in um, going into the cinematic world eventually?
1: I mean, at some point, like we'll see, you know, you get Mm -hmm. stuff optioned or short stories get picked up or whatever. I mean, it's really difficult. Like it is, I have friends who do it and Um, for me, the books do come first because I'm in control, right? Like I tell the story, I don't have to really mess with any investors or make an actor happy. Uh, I can just run the show. Uh, I would love to see where things go and I'm working on some things, but the books always come first because it's just that, you know, I'm probably a control freak on some level. (laughs) And so that's there, but Definitely something I'm interested in and definitely something where, you know, when somebody has been like, oh, I want to option your short story. I'm like, yes, let's like I love to see what you do with it. I love to be part of that process. Mm. And uh, just the reality of how little gets made too. like, yeah, the number of books that are published a year compared to movies like the reality is if you want to like see your own ideas, writing is often one of the most accessible ways to create right like you don't even need a computer if you're really you know you can go to the library save it on a google doc or write it in a journal or you can do it anywhere if you have that basic level of education it really really compared to say music or film or any dance it's so accessible in that way um and you know it's a form of expression so like i really love when people are like, Oh, I'm writing too. I'm like, That's amazing. Do I necessarily want to read it? No, but like, I, I think it's <laughs> but I know I think it's really great and, when yeah. people have that ability to do that. And so, film is a like nice to have, but at the end of the day, you're always going to be able to uh create a book in some form, um, to get your vision. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. amazing. And I i love, um, I want to point out too before we transition out uh, here, uh, the cover of this thing is amazing, i popping and. Just very Cronenberg esque to me yeah, too, right? It's a really great cover, yeah. nice it, color spread. Well, we'll be uh, tweeting out uh, the the cover of the book. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, thanks, guys. I think that was a that you that's a huge thing for me. Like the cover, the visual design. Like it is a physical object, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a thing. And I mean, even like the spine and the back. Like we've really tried to make it really kind of cohesive and a whole. And the design itself was amazing. Joe Walker was the designer. She's done like books for like Jeff Vandermeer and Giatolatino and me, which is great. Like, wow. Um, it was really cool to just, you know, have a designer who got it. And, you know, I've also been working with some other artists doing work inspired by the book. And that's great too to get their perception of it. Um, but I feel really lucky with that cover. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh,
0: It's perfect. I love it. (laughs) The uh, when we were first um, in contact for this uh, interview and everything, and they were talking about, do you want like digital or physical? I looked at the cover and I was like, oh, I want a physical of this. Like this looks (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Yeah, we've been we've been we've been sharing the copy the last couple days, kind of just like when we have a moment going through it. It's worked out perfectly. I know it's been great. Uh, But uh, we got to dive into a bit of a spookier note here. Let's do it. Obviously, you're a fan of uh, horror Horror and the genre of it. But do you yourself believe in ghosts? I
1: think I do. But I also believe in them as sort of reliant on belief.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like Tinkerbell. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And also sort of I do kind of believe a little bit in like residual traumas in places. Mm. I do believe that, like, the things that happen in a place can define that place. And so that makes it real, whether there is a spirit or not. There is a sort of. Right. I think a, a, a place can become a feeling. And I think that to me is a ghost. So do you that think, makes sense.
0: So is that more of like the story becomes real in the place? Yeah. Than an actual almost, physical manifestation of a, a spirit, as it were, creation of yeah. mystique.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, I like, maybe the best way to put it is I believe in haunting.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: But, like, an actual ghost itself as a person meeting me, not so much. Right. But maybe the residual sort of experience of a place continue to linger.
0: It's mm-hmm. a really interesting distinction, too, because I think that, it's true. And I'd be interested to get your take. Mm-hmm. Damien doesn't believe in ghosts. I do. Yeah. Um. But when you go into a place where bad things had happened or have like a history like that of like some kind of horror or whatever, there is like a kind of haunting feeling to it. Uh, just due to what happened Let l- Yeah you know? I feel like more often than not That's usually what people are feeling though I mean if they didn't yeah. have the backstory And the knowledge I don't think they would necessarily Have the same reaction to it And so much of it is just Brought about by what they've been told You know what I mean mm-hmm. The stories are kind of coming true For themselves
1: <laughs> Yeah I think though like Places can often Deteriorate Yep be left alone like I think Mm -hmm. I think it's almost you need both pieces like Mm -hmm. and I think it's something to me I think I used to be much more like no there are no ghosts ever it's not a real thing it's never been a thing but I think it comes down to perception a lot of the time where I'm like if this is a language where people can talk about that then for me I'm willing to sort of see it on those terms like as a as a residual sort of trauma of a place or something like that but no i'm not like oh yeah my uncle steve is definitely here and we're just vibing (laughs) like i i I think that for me is different um so yeah it's an interesting kind of space in between and so how do you two navigate Mm. that discrepancy in your friendship is that
0: oh we hate each other it's okay it's (laughs) yeah we're always wrestling around about it (laughs) <laughs> really creating a riff. Yeah, yeah. we do yeah. Uh, we do have that's how we mend it. We have weekly wrestles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. get it all out. Yeah. yeah get our go out, out in the out. yard. Yeah. yeah. That's right. We don't even have a yard. It's just a concrete stoop that we wow it's very
1: hardcore yeah there's a lot of scratches from the gravel yeah yeah Yeah.
0: it's like the difference between uh wwe and like one of those insane clown posse shows or something oh yeah yeah yeah. you guys get the pizza cutter
1: out and yeah this is sharp brother
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) um I, i don't know i mean it's it's one of those things that it's you know it comes up here a lot because that's yeah. the premise of what we do. But I mean, <laughs> day to day, it's not like something like, Oh, let's watch, uh, let's watch this YouTube video. And it's like, mm, you don't believe in ghosts. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily affect things. I mean, we haven't really had any haunting experiences together that would really kind of push us apart. But. Right. I, I guess, uh, Damien, um, kind of justifies, uh, um, my uh, seeing of ghosts in um, certainly Toronto areas for more things similar to the kind of stuff that's growing in the book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. those uh, basement apartments are causing hallucinations. <laughs> I'm, I'm, more yeah. akin, I'm more akin to believe in natural phenomena, the things like that, than anything uh, supernatural, quote unquote.
1: Right. So, but I mean, like, mm-hmm. I think there's what is it? There's that, like, Arthur C. Clarke quote about, you know, technology that's advanced enough is just magic right yeah like if a technology is so advanced that just things happen it can feel like magic i do think there's like that with natural phenomena as well so Mm -hmm. like you know is it a spiritual visitation or is it carbon monoxide poisoning well (laughs) if someone is maybe having revelations about themselves or their past or things they've buried Maybe that is real, because that's a confrontation with something inside themselves that they haven't you know wrestled with. Um, sure. so to me, sometimes it's in the land of like nightmares and dreams too, where it's sort of like what are you processing mm-hmm. and what are you maybe confronting um so that I mean, that's interesting to me to kind of see the natural world as a potential gateway into like what you're not willing to confront about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've always contended. I, I believe that people believe they are experiencing yeah. these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to discount that. I just don't <laughs> no. believe that it is supernatural. I, I right. more, more likely think it is something. But the consequences of that and however they get to these like revelations or whatever can be very important, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm But I'm also like I always have that little asterisk where I'm just like you got to be careful with that because sometimes describing meaning to something that has no meaning can make, be more harm than good for people.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. No, the the desperation to have a pattern or an explanation. Mm
0: -hmm. Which is just human nature. That's uh, what we are biologically inclined to do is look for patterns and meanings. It's still just so interesting to me, um, Andrew, to have you in this like non-believer kind of um, way, but using the believer terms to like mend these fences kind of thing and build this bridge so I feel like I'm a lot more like him than than you might be giving me credit for. Yeah, I no, do. I feel like I, th- I feel think, like this conversation. I think we're is good. we're on a lot more of the same wavelength here. Well, you you definitely are, but uh, you don't use the terms. Uh, Andrew's oh, no, softening I, the I, blows. I on have me right to because I get I get friggin' cummed at. That. that's gross <laughs> I do not come at you I well, especially like if you're here with like two other people who believe you guys like pile drive me it's like well you just don't understand pile drive you understand. come dad what yeah. is happening here I, this it's is a, just a it's... very
1: this is the this is after dark wrestling guys. Listen, it <laughs> is a
0: sticky situation for me over here every every yeah. week it's disgusting and I'm gonna need to take a shower after this I didn't realize that the ghost talks for you in the past have uh, been so uh, sexual in nature for you i'm always horny here (laughs) gotta get that ectoplasm right i guess so that's just what happens when ghosts are doing it right this is gonna be i think this is just to get into my head the next time (laughs) that yeah i'm like coming at you about ghosts or something oh you're coming at me now huh oh no i guess i I thought you weren't (laughs) wow well i (laughs) i because uh the marigold is set in, in uh toronto and mm-hmm. um is uh creating this uh haunting real life atmosphere uh to uh the city i have some haunted stories with the city and some haunted locations to run by you here andrew and see if you've uh heard of any of these what your take is on any of these um some we may have talked about before i don't think we have talked about this one before though um on the podcast, and that's uh, St. Michael's Hospital, um, 30 Bond Street. I mean, it makes sense. A hospital, a lot of people, a lot of sick people, a lot of people dying. It's true. I've I've been saying this, like, if you're going to have a place where a bunch of ghosts should be, it should be in a big city, and we should see them everywhere. So a hospital makes sense. All right. Well, you're on my side then. Good. I'm not on your side. I'm just saying that's where they should. All I had to do was say St. Michael's hospital. And you're like, Oh yeah, that place is haunted (laughs) though. I don't believe in ghosts, but that one does have ghosts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely, I mean, again, yeah. Any place where you're getting a lot of silver overlap Mm -hmm. between life and death is going to be heavily weighted. And, uh, Is there a specific story there, or there's a collection of stories that have sort of Um, coalesced?
0: So there's a few things here. So, um, it does reiterate what you two were just saying that uh, hospitals are always a breeding ground for mystery and horror. Uh, Saint Michael's (laughs) further uh, proves this idea as it's the city's uh, preeminent haunted hospital. A faceless nun, fondly called Fondly called Sister Vinny, visits the seventh floor, pulling patients' blankets as she uh, keeps watch over them. And there's also a man roaming the filing room of the medical records. Okay, so there's a nurse yanking on your blankets and then a guy just, like, shuffling through files? (laughs) Man, this goes back to what I said for years, that all these ghosts are just losers. (laughs) Like, that's all you're going to do? You're a ghost. You're haunting. There's I'm something cool. I mean, if you're That's uh, some pranks, yeah, if you have a fever yeah, and you're getting more kills and this ghost is constantly yanking <laughs> off your blanket, they're really <laughs> pissing me off. Actually, <laughs> maybe they're maybe they're helpful because sometimes, you know, you get chills, but then you get too hot and you got to take it off. No, oh, they're. Yeah, they're thinking they're about helping you regulate you're about to get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's preemptive medical care. I mean, yeah I guess uh that's interesting. I mean, you're probably just rolling around your bed kicking off your blankets, blaming it on a ghost, blaming it on a ghost
1: <laughs> right. And I think maybe sometimes that's a way to make sense of like not being in control of yourself or not knowing yourself, yeah, uh, or what's going on. I think like memory is super fallible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, we're very often not aware of I mean, I'm pretty sure I wake up in the middle of the night and my wife will talk to me and I'm not actually awake but I'm like yeah yep but I, like <laughs> yep. yeah and then you know and I used to do that as a kid too where like you know I'd work well kid I mean when I was young I would like work a you know afternoon shift 4 p.m to 2 a.m go to sleep my dad wakes me up at 6 a.m and he's like hey you need to cut the grass I'm like yep and then go and he's like, oh, no, you woke up and we talked. And I'm like, no, we didn't, man. I, <laughs> My body has like a switch where it's like, yeah, okay, just get rid of this guy in 30 seconds and go back to sleep. This never happened. Totally. I think like, you know, when you're in distress as well, like you are sort of not necessarily aware of maybe what you've done or where you've been. Um, and that's part of it is like sometimes it may feel best to have a way to talk about that that's yeah. not – uh. You know, when you feel maybe you're going to be blamed or treated wrong, uh, for kind of just struggling with your own body, you know. Yeah,
0: But I'm even too. Just like, have you ever had a dream that you thought was real when you woke up, and then realized it wasn't, or something like that? I think that's a same kind of same kind of idea, right? But how do you feel about this strange man shuffling through your medical records? <laughs> what the doctor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This episode of Spooked is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash spooked, S-P-O-O-K-E-D, to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, dot com slash spooked. Yes. Love is in the air. That's Valentine's right. Day is coming up. Valentine's Day coming up, and it's okay if you don't have a sweetheart this year. Mm -hmm. Have no fear. I know that that weighs on a lot of people, whether they have a Valentine, don't have a Valentine. you know. And the stresses of planning Valentine's Day is a lot. It can be a lot for you, and you might need someone to talk to during this time. Self-love is important, and what better way to do that than with our friends at BetterHelp? Exactly. I know that for myself, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of uh, stress while... Uh, doing planning and, do- and putting things together. That really uh, stresses me out. It um, gives me anxiety. It, uh, it makes me kind of just fold up and want to just stay in bed. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. So the people at BetterHelp have people to talk to you about this and talk to me. Yeah. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp's a great way to do that. It's entirely online. So even if you are stuck in bed, What great way to start it where you don't have to leave the first few sessions. Exactly, yeah. Just open up your Open it uh, up and get it started right there. Yeah, in bed. Perfect. You can still wear your jammies, just as I like it. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, whatever that schedule may be. Just fill out their brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And, hey, if they don't work out for some reason, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. Yeah, you're not stuck to a therapist, you know? And and it's all uh, online and everything, so you don't have to have that awkward thing of, like, in person, and then they're just wondering whether you're, they're going to see you again in person, and it's more of a connection. No! Do online. Do better help. That's right. So don't forget, go to betterhelp.com slash spooked to get ten percent off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p dot com slash spooked.
1: Today. I mean, these days he's probably, you know, he's probably uh, a VC backed um digitizing medical records and yeah. app that's uh, you know in its third round of funding. Yeah. It's going to get purchased by, you know, Zuckerberg <laughs> or somebody and uploaded into the cloud. I was going
0: to say, is I this think selling it for like money or <laughs>
1: I think, yeah, no, I think we end up with like, I think we're open to like uh, new ways of haunting almost a new ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a book coming out later this year about like algorithmic possession <laughs> okay. and sort of the like the way, you know, even with like YouTube or something, you start with one video And seven videos later, you're like, "Why is Jordan Peterson here? I was looking at bugs. Like, I don't want this. I never (laughs) wanted this. I have no desire for this in my life. And yet, it's like forced upon you. It's almost Um, very uh,
0: 2001 Space Odyssey, a little bit too.
1: Yeah, there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just like you are not in control. You know,
0: like, I mean, if corporations can be people, why can't they haunt us after they die? Right? That's the other thing too. Oh, I, I can't so. wait for Twitter to die, and then we'll all be haunted by by it. <laughs> well, how about this one, the Elgin Winter Garden Theater?
1: Oh, oh. I mean, theaters deserve to be haunted. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think that's like a really appropriate place if you're gonna do some ghost shit. I think a theater mm-hmm. makes sense. It's a place where you know people are sent to imagine or to participate in a larger imagining. And so, um, and also, I mean, if it did work as a, uh, was the Elgin like previously, like a place. It's not just like they do actual plays there too. Right. Like it's, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I've been there for TIFF screenings, but I know it's probably also used for actual productions and other. Yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So that also adds an element as well. Right. Once Macbeth gets involved. Oh no, <laughs> I said the play. Oh no. Uh, once, you know, Certain plays are invoked. That's automatically setting up people to expect those kind of things.
0: Right. And that episode of the Magic School Bus where they're in the theater with the Pepper's Ghost. That sets us up for hauntings in theaters. Theaters are pretty pretty commonplace, too. Like, a lot of the time when we have a guest on talking about a haunting, it's a lot of theaters. But we do also have a lot of actors come on the podcast. So that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... Uh this one is I guess in the uh theater's elevator if uh you take it uh don't freak out over a sudden stop on the 5th floor without anyone hitching a ride anyone visible that is so they have a broken elevator and they said it's haunted <laughs> rather than fixing it that's what this sounds like to me
1: I mean that's just good business sense. Uh, that's that's a, yeah
0: the mystique I did <laughs> I have taken It's not a bug it's a feature <laughs> I have taken the elevator there. They have an operator though the whole time. Do they? Yeah, you have an oh, operator. he's just fucking with you then. Yeah, I like, like uh, I, I think it's like a wind up elevator. I don't know. A wind up elevator. I don't know. It looked like she was working to get me to the next floor. <laughs> 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 that poor woman. <laughs> I mean, um, if you've ever, have either of you
1: ever been trapped in an elevator? No, uh,
0: no, I haven't yes in my uh yeah when i lived in the uh, condo there mm. i've been trapped on a roller coaster <laughs> that's just
1: at wonderland or some other uh
0: stuff? darien lake in uh like mm-hmm. the states and it was just up on like we were like three quarters of the way up the first hill Oh, so you weren't upside
1: down. Or no, 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 no. It was okay. it was
0: maybe it was maybe like 20 minutes to half an hour and then they got it working and then we went and it was fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you just had a nice sit outside and I nice sit the... at a weird angle,
0: just staring up into the sun. Yeah. The, the When people get stuck upside down, that is that's oh, horrific. That is horrific. Yeah, yeah that is
1: that's you, no one should have that much blood in their head. No, <laughs> it's not a...
0: all the stuff. But out of your uh, Cody,
1: you were in the elevator. What happened there in the condo?
0: Um, it just kind of broke. It it it, it broke every <laughs> once in a while. Uh, like, and you just get stuck there until someone fixes it. I guess <laughs> I, that poorly was just... constructed condos. Yeah, I'm. No I mean, diseases of... seeping through. Yeah,
1: that is part of the book for sure. <laughs> it's uh, like it is like places. You know, I think there's something about you know the idea of haunting is also sort of that like a building or a place is sort of something that's inhabited like a body and it is, you know, it breaks down, it betrays you. And there is that sort of overlap with Cronenberg there too, right? Like a lot of body horror Mm -hmm. comes from the fact that your body will eventually betray you. Yeah. It will let you down. It will work against you. It will break you. And I mean, in a larger sense, like the place you inhabit as well is like constantly, you know, entropy is real, decay is real. It's not a, I think sometimes it gets framed entirely as like a negative thing, but I think it's a natural process. Like part rot, decay, eventually means new life, new growth, but the end game of it is not pleasant or pretty. Um, And so confronting that can be difficult. But yeah, I like to see, like I like, the overlap there for me this book has body horror but then it also has all this structural stuff but to me they're very linked and there's very much this idea of people who see their home as a part of themselves and you can extrapolate that to a building too where like you're trying to survive with all these other people in a place that you know eventually whether it's an elevator or a bad window seal,
0: yeah will betray you yeah yeah. Did you ever think about a uh, a kind of mundane chapter like my elevator story of uh, just like, a, I don't know, I, it just kind of got fixed and it, I was uh, back You got home. to meet a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The, yeah. And then, that, I mean, that's a great romance. Um,
0: no, I think like... Oh, no, like... they go home to their wives after. You just get oh, to meet okay.
1: them. Yeah, yeah, they split up. You know, it's a tragedy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think like there's definitely... With the book, it was like the mundane, like some of the early stuff is slightly more mundane. It's like, it's sort of seems like people are accidentally killing themselves. (laughs) Uh, I think, though, I did want to make sure that, you know, I had people's interest from the get. Um, I'm already asking them to take on a lot. (laughs) Like, hey, guys, you got to believe in this mold thing. You also got to balance all these things. So making sure that the book is moving and that there are pieces that are working right away was important. Um, most of my books, I do try to open with kind of a gut check. So the Marigold, it's a guy, you know, this is not a spoiler burying a body in the foundation of a building Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to kind of bless it, um, as part of an old ritual. Uh, my novel waste opens with a failed drug dealer, getting holes drilled in his knees with like a black and Decker. And it's sort of me setting a, like. This is what you're in for. If it's not your vibe, that's fine. You can check out now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, things may calm down for a while, but eventually we're going to get back to that place. Yeah. Um. So I think it's sort of for me about sort of setting uh, a limit or not a limit, but like setting an expectation for the reader, subverting it and then bringing it back later to be like, oh, no, the horrible thing is still coming for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's where a lot of dread comes from too. So, yeah, uh, I keep taking us off topic though. So
0: we can get back to hauntings, Cody. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> don't worry. I'm I'm just saying maybe uh, next time think about uh, at page two hundred introduce a new character. Me, <laughs> yeah, stuck in an elevator and just waiting to meet a firefighter. Yeah, and me and just then being totally fine. And yeah. I'll ignore all his texts that he's just like I'm in an elevator. Yeah. I'm like I don't care, I'm and never to, come back work. to that character again. I'm at work. I don't, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Or, or have work.
1: like a one-page epigraph where it was like, and Cody was fine. Yeah, <laughs> he, he did. He, he went hope. to the
0: Muskoka, and no one. Everything was good there, and it was all nice. <laughs> I'd like to thank Cody for getting out of that elevator. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, he saved himself. What a beautiful, beautiful ending. <laughs> just give them that little bit of hope,
0: right? Yeah. that's the. Mm-hmm yeah that little spark it'll be like oh that that's nice i didn't know what that was but that's nice (laughs) um good for you yeah 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 uh let's talk about the old Don jail oh oh yeah broadview and gerard yeah yeah this place is notorious for ghost sightings and eerie cold corners jail duh Uh, Before uh, capital punishment was abolished, Mm -hmm. the old Don jail housed 34 executions, quickly building a reputation among paranormal enthusiasts. There are plenty of stories that will bring chills down your spine. But one of the most famous is that of a female inmate who hung herself in her cell and haunted the prison ever since. That's pretty vague for bringing chills. It's like, these are the most scary stories you'll ever hear. Here's a very vague short one. <laughs> I like the two. It's also like uh, there were 34 executions here, which quickly made rumors amongst paranormal uh, enthusiasts. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Just means people who believe in ghost stories started thinking, oh, there's probably ghosts there now,
1: <laughs> right? But I also think like that's kind of where we get in these things, where it's like a way for people to sort of process how fucked up that is, right? Like, (laughs) one of the things about the death penalty to me that's sort of, is like giving the state the power over someone's life, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and the fact that the state can be wrong. And I think like a lot of people do have that residual feeling, but maybe don't know how a good way to express it and sort of like, we did a bad thing Mm -hmm. and it's still there, you know? And I think the Don Jail now, I believe is a healthcare facility. It's Mm -hmm. been- Redeveloped and changed, which is great, like, and Bridge used. Point and... or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bridgepoint, yeah. and it's a very you know they film uh filmed Orphan Black there. That was where a lot of the facilities were. It's in a great spot in the city. It's uh you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of had a bunch of renewal. But the idea, yeah, that there's something that went wrong there at some point. I think that's, you know, I think it's sometimes giving people a language to talk about it, because yeah. maybe you can't just say like, oh wow, isn't it wrong to to kill people as a state it's like oh well there's ghosts like (laughs) i think it's sometimes a way to kind of talk about difficult subjects or like work your way into believing something bad happened right not being able to maybe call out who did it or why they did it you know
0: and also the 34 executions Mm -hmm. that that seems low to me what? Oh, you thought they should have done more? No, no, no. I mean, just for something with like a long history, and then like, you know, corporal punishment and things like that. That it feels like a low number, you but know. They were saying that that created um like these uh haunted experiences, but then the haunted experience they talked about was someone who killed themselves. Was someone who killed yeah, themselves? Who had nothing yeah. to do with the execution. Yeah. Um, but let's uh go for one more here. Um, and talk about a place that Damien you know very well. I do Humber College. Ah, well, I was on the newer bit. I was never really in the 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 haunted part, but I know the haunted part. Oh, okay. So you know yeah. it's uh apparently it's 3199 Lakeshore Boulevard. Yeah, Desert I know. I know what part it is. Yeah, but I never okay, really so it's had down by the water. Like, it's on the waterfront there. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was. It was that also. It was. It was a was it a prison or was it a hospital? There's something it was a there. psychiatric Psych hospital. Ward. That's yeah. what it was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really had classes there, so I wasn't really over. They there. They didn't let you comedy clowns over no. there. No, we were in a little further north, but um. So yeah, it's uh, un unrelenting disturbances in that. Uh, apparently, oh, it's a beautiful building. Um, countless people have heard humming, port air conditioner units humming. <laughs> Uh, smell uh, flowery scents which isn't typically what you smell with the paranormal like that's not what you'd think of it's Sounds always like, like the janitor just in, like installed that, right? new uh air fresheners yeah to cover the musty mold of the old building on all the, the waterfront all the air fresheners have clogged the <laughs> air conditioner and it's now creating a humming <laughs> I, I think it could happen
1: yeah i mean i, th- I kind of like i mean this story sort of relates to the fact that yeah like places can poison you
0: <laughs>
1: and sometimes when that's happening you are going to have to put the blame somewhere um and the fact that like that is also a place where you know people probably were sent who didn't want to be
0: oh my god and god. it
1: has those associations always right and i think too like yeah older buildings that are decaying um literally like all i'm saying is that a a mold can make you hallucinate
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) and being down by the water yeah like over time that exposure to moisture i mean that's what's crazy to me is like how fucking um minimal or like finite what we build is like mm-hmm. we look around and oh, we still have the pyramids or we have a calcium or whatever else. Like so much of what we build now is basically just made out of like oil products. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's even more flammable. It's even like less likely to last. Mm-hmm. And so sort of, you know, seeing shit actually decay within our lifetime, you know, watching, you know, a 50 year old building get torn down and you're like, what, why are we only building for that? Yeah like limit like those kind of places are gonna again that's almost like sites of our own failures for sure and sites of our own sort of mistakes of what we thought was the right thing to do at the time um so that one i can definitely uh see is that still are those facilities still there is that building still yeah
0: up? It, they've been uh, converted into uh like uh classrooms and housing and stuff down there the more the most surprising part though is that it smells floral like you would think that the the, the things that you're describing andrew smell like yeah. they would stink yeah I thought right i mean there's sometimes like there art. is a
1: sweetness to decay i don't know maybe you're right maybe there is someone who's trying to cover it up there's just a dude in the vents spraying febreze he's paid you know <laughs> pretty good wage for going down in
0: those vents but i do, do that job yeah well okay yeah apply for, now. The, for the right money <laughs> yeah get yeah. the right card get yeah my, my humber sure alumni card get down there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
1: make sure you have got a, a union card and that you you know you're billing for overtime and you I, have I, I will yeah yeah you get that right off on your work shoes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you make sure you get the right shoes <laughs> yeah you know, I don't want to be look.
0: slipping in those bents, that's for sure. No,
1: no, you know what? The rubber soles mm-hmm. probably an inch thick at least, steel cap on the toe. Ideally, you want it to go past the toe so you don't get like a toe maraca if you get ever mm-hmm. run over by a truck. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah that's when a truck runs over your toes <laughs> and the metal bends and it chops your toes off and it traps them in a little box. Oh, and then you can shake it, make some music. Uh, so. <laughs> Be careful. It can't happen.
0: <laughs> Stay away from trucks, kids. That's what we're Yeah,
1: saying. yeah. If you're wearing yeah. steel toe boots, it's almost better to have a have a Converse on instead, you know?
0: Right? You're
1: going <laughs> to just get crushed, but they can save it, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess that uh, would explain the mysterious presences on campus as well. Is, uh would explain it with you, Damien. Mm. Probably. I see one we should mention uh Gibraltar Point lighthouse oh yeah you want to mention that you want to talk about another one no but I was just said uh, that's a fun one because we, <laughs> we we're working on some uh some some fun stuff and we we were using that as an inspiration for some stuff so.
1: some lighthouse stuff you guys are lighthouse on a- stuff. You're on a Robert Pattinson kick. You're, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, actually, we, yeah, we, that was an inspiration for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I love it. Uh, we were, we were, we filmed a pilot for a TV show of uh, this, and we were writing more episodes. Oh, Georgia, cool, yeah, awesome, with, guys. Uh, with with Toronto haunted locations. Yeah, very so cool. Th- that was uh, that was one of them. I think the Winter Garden was one of them too. I think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the last part about this Humber one here. Yeah is and see if you two agree perhaps with these stories it says it's time to include paranormal studies into the curriculum there for every every major i guess it's like home ec yeah <laughs> or like a writing class that everyone has to take no i mean you can have a class about it i guess maybe but it'd have to be framed as something else Oh, trick them. Say it's home. No, 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 and then no, no. no. Like, like it would be paranormal. like a, it would be like a psychology course right. with a, with a, you know, focus on paranormal and why they do that. Right. Right. Not just why like, not, not just like, we got to get our, we got to get our EKG meters or whatever the hell they are and find the, find all the, the patterns and the ghosts are talking to us in the radio waves. You know, that, none of that. That'd be a fun class. That'd be nuts. <laughs> I feel like I'm wasting my money and time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. But on that note, um Andrew, <laughs> it was so great to have you on the podcast uh today. Um where can everybody follow you?
1: Uh I'm on uh I'm on Twitter and Instagram at AF Sully. I mean, we'll see, maybe by the time this is out Twitter will be gone, but uh yeah, yeah. yeah at AF Sully. I'm Andrew F Sullivan if you Google me. The F is there for a reason. It's easy to find me. I am not an American conservative guy uh uh yeah my fiction is out there my books are out there the marigold is out there um
0: where can they find the book is it is it available uh like everywhere Everywhere,
1: man so yeah so the book is any bookstore will be able to order it canada the us even the uk amazing on you know in all your you know i'd recommend your indie booksellers but if you want it online it's amazon it's everything else evil empire it is available as an audiobook as well from Penguin oh, Random House. So that was really cool. Uh, we had a great uh, reader for that. So we have uh, the audiobook is also available on all the platforms Audible, Libro, like anywhere you want to find it. And it is pretty much going to be, uh, yeah, anywhere you want to find it. Like honestly, most people have been able to track it down, which is great for Canadian book that it has really uh, got the reach. It's nice yeah. to see that and that people can find it. Uh, Sean Patrick Hopkins is the narrator on the audiobook. He does a great job, really cool guy, and has been really supportive of the book. So, uh, yeah, there's an audio version for the people who want to just hear it in the gym, and you can find that wherever you are. It's only 10 hours and 40 minutes, guys. It's not... <laughs> the book it has a lot in it but it's not too long i think it's like 350 pages so yeah, yeah. anywhere you can find it thanks for letting me talk about it that's right. really
0: awesome amazing and we'll be posting it at spook podcast mm-hmm. on instagram and everything like that as well as go to the sonarnetwork.com. you can see a full profile on andrew with direct links to those social medias as well as go to the sonar shop and we have shirts there for spook whether you believe in ghosts or don't believe in ghosts we have a shirt for you mm-hmm. yes. if you're on the fence get them both